I'm going to talk today about giving. Uh, I have to be told when to preach on money. And so I'm not really preaching on money because I'm not trying to raise money. I'm trying to raise givers, people that learn the joy of giving. And uh, uh, we're going to be looking at that. Would you do this for me today? Just imagine you're a Corinthian. I'm going to use 1 Corinthians uh, later on. Imagine you've been saved uh, less than two months, okay? And I just came to town, and I'm going to teach you God's method of supporting his work. And so just kind of uh, act dumb, tabla rasa, just have a blank slate. Don't bring any prejudice. Just say, show me. Show me what God would want me as a believer to do in this realm. Uh, let me say some things that I uh, quote a guy named Nelson Searcy. has got a book called Maximize, and it tells the story of how he taught his church in New York City how to be givers. It was a young church and all like that. And uh, he gives some wonderful information, but he gave something like this. And, and this doesn't mean anything to you unless you know there's a national trend that the average church giver only gives uh, 2.6% of his income uh, to the Lord. Let's see here. If I could, I thought I was going to, you know, I've got that one hidden one I keep hid from Carolyn, so I could, I could do it in this service. I can't do it in the second because she'll be here. Uh, so uh, let, let's say, uh, and don't anyone tell her, please, it would strengthen my marriage. Uh, that uh, I think I may have another one. But let's say, here's a $100 bill. So if you're giving 2%, you're giving $2 out of every 100 you get. You give two of them to God. That's all it's saying. Okay, $2. And us who guys that grew up on tithing, which most young people don't even know what that means, because uh, less than 3% of the church tithes. So if you're a tither, you got off the ark. Your way back, okay? Because you know you can't even spell it. You, oh, I thought you were gonna give me some more money. Oh, <laughs> honey, don't be coming up when I'm speaking on money. Uh, write it down, Lord, for a hundred dollar pledge. But uh, it, you know, if you got a, a hundred and you just give two dollars, that's what the average giving is now among believers, and. Like we said, we have 145 uh, different receipts for givers. 145 people on our membership rolls who are lying to us because they don't support us. You ought to have the decency to drop your membership or get into obedience because you lied to us if you said you would support us and you don't. That's on you. That's on you. See, people don't give one of two reasons. They either are ignorant, they don't know God's plan, and I won't let you play ignorant today while I teach you. Uh, and I don't want to preach. I don't want to hammer you. I don't want, oh, produce guilt. Guilt does not produce change. It doesn't produce givers. You'll just give it that way. Get him, man, I want to get him off my case. Boy, I can't wait till he gets back to Hebrews. <laughs> you know, his attendance a little bit lower today. They knew it was going to be on giving two weeks. They feel led to visit other churches right now. <laughs> That's okay. Because uh, ignorance is bliss until you get arrested. Uh, and so we have this problem, uh, but, and listen to this, I thought it was interesting, this is what uh, Nelson says, uh, a lot of people, we ignore even bringing up the subject, uh, and this is the reasons he gives, we are uncomfortable talking about money with our people, this is pastors, uh, some of us came out of a church that never had enough money, and so we think that's the way it ought to be, uh, being a part of church life is always grousing about money. They're always broke. No, no, it shouldn't be. We aren't following God's best with our own personal finances. Uh, I'm in debt. Uh, I can't get out of debt. I don't want to get out of debt. I buy and spend left and right. Uh, I, I'm buying clothes that I don't have enough events to wear. And so I've got three closets packed full of stuff. I'm addicted to shopping, you know. Uh, all of that. And so then, uh, 
we, we don't want to scare off the unchurched by talking too much about money. And you can tell this place is loaded right now with unchurched people. That's a myth. Uh, we believe uh, the myth that there is virtue in being in constant financial need. We're used to the status quo of operation. We presented to the uh, elders and deacons yesterday a $2.5 million budget uh, just to operate because we PG&E has gone up. We've got to pay $121,000 a year for PG&E. Did you hear that? $121,000. So we can't add adult pastors. We can't add a young adult pastor. We can't replace because we're trying to be frugal trying to cut back the budget where we need to and uh, so that uh, we just, we're, we're really maintaining in many ways. We're not expanding because our giving has to grow because we don't want to indebt ourselves with what things we can't do. Uh, and uh, we think we ought to let the big ministries, uh, you know, take care of the giving. Let me tell you four kinds of givers. Uh, in church, and then we'll look at the Word. Uh, number one, non-givers. Many people who come, uh, maybe you're sitting here today, you didn't even think you come with an offering. I just came, came with a friend, whatever. You're not, never was taught to give, didn't come prepared to give, and, and that's many, many, many people. So, uh, you have that, non-givers. So, we have a lot of folks come that don't know that. Do we shoot them? We're really glad you're here. We, we don't want to shoot you. We, we'd like for you just to know God's plan. You may not be a believer. Uh, we don't even want you to participate in the offering because God, God wants to give you something first. He wants to give you eternal life. And, and we don't want your money. We want you. We want you to know Christ. That's, that's our mission. And it's a joy to pay for a place for you to come and to be good to you. Uh, we want to give you some coffee. We'll give you a donut. We won't, I can't blame it if it gives you high blood sugar. I can't help that. You've got to control that. Uh, I wish today we'd give uh, the CDs of anyone that wants this on this giving. We'll give it to you. I want you to have it. Tell them when you go back, pastor will pay for it, I guess. Um, and then you've got initial givers, uh, some people who are making uh, you know, they're, they can't believe it that every once in a while they're dropping something in the plate. They're, they're just uh, first time, just breaking in. Uh, your third kind of giver is a systematic giver. We, we know we can get the same $20 every week or the same whatever. And so at least they're systematic, and it sure helps in church life to say, man, you can count on them. That, that will be there. So that, that's wonderful. Then you've got this uh, endangered species called the proportional givers who are usually people who tithe. And by tithe, we simply use the Old Testament term, 10% givers. Your proportion might be 5%, 8 11 12 Charles Ryrie said he never would tithe. He, he didn't believe tithing was for us, so he gave 11% on everything. So if you don't believe in tithing, give us 11%. Yeah, if you don't like that term. So it's basically you're proportionate. And you, you, I trust, prayed to the Lord, and you figured out that amount that you think would honor the Lord. Give him the first fruit, Proverbs said. Give him something that will honor him. That's the idea. What is the amount that would really honor your God with what he's given you, with whatever you have? And then, finally, there's what's known as sacrificial givers, uh, sacrificial givers that will give over and beyond. Uh, did I tell you that last week, uh, a, our new roof, uh, that because we were leaking pretty bad this last storm, that Ron did all the research, going to cost us $57,000. Uh, uh, today, uh, a man called me uh, yesterday, and he says, uh, meet me uh, tomorrow, and I'll give you a check for the roof. So uh, that's a little bit bigger than proportionate giving. He's more than a tither. He wants to meet a special need. So praise the Lord. And 
The rest of you that wrote that 60000 we'll take it too. We'll apply it to the budget. Uh, so let's, let's go on a biblical journey, okay? I hope the PowerPoint will uh, come up. Are you there? Yeah, okay. So uh, let's uh, turn in our Bible and see if God says anything about this subject. Uh, first of all, who is the owner of what you have? This is very basic, isn't it? Who owns what I... Oh, if you're really walking with the Lord, you'll know automatically. <laughs> no. Well, I was going to read Luke 6:38, but I'll wait on that. But I'll, I think they'll put them up for you. Psalms 24:1. Let's start there. Psalms 24:1. Is it coming up? Okay. Will the verse come up? Tell me, Tim, when it comes up. Okay. Well, it's not the right. Well, we'll get to that one. Yes. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it except what I own. Everything in it. Who, who owns it? Well, Haggai 2 uh, says, all the silver and the gold belongs to me. Well, I've got silver and gold. Anyway, we used to have silver and gold. We don't know what we have in coin anymore. Uh, but God is saying, I claim ownership. This is my real estate. This is my world. Uh, and I put gold and silver wherever. And then he goes on to say, Deuteronomy 8. I'd like for you to turn there. Uh, this is a fact. I read Deuteronomy 8 this morning. Uh, for devotions, getting ready to preach. And when you uh, uh, look at Deuteronomy 8, the fifth book of the Old Testament, uh, he says something, verse 11, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes uh, that I command you today, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And he goes on. Basically what he's saying is prosperity is always a time for forgetting God. It, it, we're just set up. Prosperity makes you forget God automatically. That's, the, that's why he's warning them. When I give you what you never planted, what you never dug, I'm getting you out of hard circumstances, and it's kind of my people and those who migrated from the Midwest who fled depression, dust bowl, hard times, and all of us of a certain age, we grew up with all the stories of the poverty, how we barely made it, this and that. You grew up with that all your life, and everything you had now was far better than everything you left. Anybody grow up around that kind of talk? The way it used to be, boy, the, we really hit it rich out here in California. Things are so much better. Well, that's wonderful. But he said, you have a danger. Then he comes down to verse 17. He says, uh, let me, let, I'll pick up with uh, 16. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You see there? They're going to start taking credit. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. If you forget the Lord, he promises I will discipline you. So he's saying that... Uh, Everything, you, James 1.17 said this, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So everything good we have, God said, I'm the author of it. I love 2 Corinthians uh, 1. I am the God of all comfort 
and I am the God of all mercy. So if you've ever been comforted, if you've ever received mercy, if you've ever been blessed, God says, I want you to give me the credit for it, whether you're a believer or not, because I am good to even the unrighteous. I give them sun, rain, I give them children, I give them health, I give them finances, I give them food. I'm a blessing God. I give and give and give and give. He is the source of every good thing you have, and he wants you to know that. Do you know that? He knows it. Do you know it? So that's where we really start. So when we ask you to say uh, give, we're we're really, uh, I did a message years ago. It didn't go over too big, but uh, uh, I said, what are you doing with God's money in your pocket? Does God own what's in this? Now, does he own that plastic? I stay away from it all I can, but I carry it just in case eternal security is running low. (laughs) Does God own these cards? Well, Kaiser, I got to keep that. (laughs) Oh, you got to keep this. This is ARP. Oh, you got to have that. Then my debit card. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I got to keep that. Church staff, that's church guard. Uh, I got a peach here. You need that. Caffeine fits, hits you. Wait, what do you own? What do you own in your wallet? Uh, what if I decide to die today? And they asked that. One guy said, well, how much did he leave? He said, well, he left it all. He left it all. And you're going to leave it all in one moment. In one moment, it's only what you send ahead that will continue to outlive you. Just be sure, Tim, no one grabs those cards. <laughs> Diane. Uh, now, let's go to 2 Corinthians and see promises of God to givers. Promises of God to givers. Uh, oh, I've got to go to Luke 6 first. He's telling us not to be... Um, uh, like other people, always returning the same attitude. Look at uh, Luke six thirty-eight. He says in 20, uh, 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Don't you like that? Uh, you'll be judged as much as you judge. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's just this trade-off in life. I mean, if you don't forgive, God's going to put people in your life that won't forgive you. If you like to condemn people, God's going to put plenty of people in your life that condemn you. You're going to reap the kind of attitude you give out. You like to be critical, God's going to put plenty of critical people in your life. That's what it says. You, you, you like to criticize. I, I know an, uh, an individual in this church very critical by nature. And guess what they've reaped? We're very critical of him. Doesn't trust anybody. Not sure about this. Not sure about that. Well, now we just look at him and said, you know what? We're not sure about you. Because they're getting back the same attitude they put out. Are you one of these guys? I don't, I don't trust anybody. Well, guess what? We don't trust you either. And other people, they just say, yeah. Boy, welcome. So glad to have you. Guess what? They read people that welcome them. It's, it's real simple, isn't it? Don't you see it everywhere? Now watch verse 38. Watch this. Uh, give and you'll go broke. Give and nobody will give to you. Give and it will be given to you. Well, how much? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. If you give generously, give, it will come back in your lap. And in every way he could do it, he's trying to say, it'll be stuffed down, running over, pressed together, Get the picture, I'll outdo you. That's what God is saying. 
Now, if you think he's lying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But he's not going to support you, and he's not going to fulfill the promise. You give out criticism, you're going to be criticized. Give out condemnation, you're going to be condemned. Give out stinginess, and you're going to reap it. The people in your life are going to be stingy. But you give. You give as unto the Lord. God has given his word. This is the Lord Jesus. I'll outdo you. I'll give it every way you can smash it, push it, run. I will do it. it. It's right there. And in the same way that you measure out, this is fair. You give out a little, you'll receive a little. It's standing there. The challenge is yours. Now, let's go see other verses that say almost the same thing. Look at 2 Corinthians. I'm kind of all over, but I want you to get the picture uh, that God just paints over and over. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 9, 6. Uh, and it's repeated. We hear it again in Galatians. We won't go there, but uh, it had come up on the PowerPoint. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Do you have to be really brilliant to get that? I don't get it. You don't want to get it. Any farmer knows, I put, how much did you sow this year? Five kernel. Five kernel. What do you expect to get back? I hope we have an abundant crop. Dumbo, it doesn't work that way. You got to be generous in the sowing if you want to be generous in the reaping. Basic farming principle. No, no, no math. You don't have to be a genius here. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. There's the principle, and he's teaching this church how to give, and he uses this analogy. And uh, it, it's all over the Bible. He repeats it in Galatians uh, 6, 7. Sow, and you'll reap. Don't be weary of giving. You never get weary of receiving. Don't get weary of giving. Ron Hughes one day said to me, our people are suffering from giving fatigue. And I said, well, they're not suffering from receiving fatigue. They don't mind receiving. So that's not, don't tell me that, Ron. Don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in sowing. This isn't in vain. My, uh, how God just outdoes us when we sow. And so with this God, you've got guaranteed returns. Some of you in the stock market, some of you in mutual funds, some in your 401k plan, you're in all these funds. And boy, if you live through 2008, 2009, I know what it is to have a retirement portfolio shrink because of those times. But never with God does it shrink. It doesn't shrink. He keeps it going. Because he's God. He, he's got more inside knowledge than Wall Street. He knows how to protect your money. Amen? Well, he says in Philippians 4.19 to a church who ministered to him, and he says, I can't pay you back, but my God can, and he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. What a great promise he sends to a church that ministered to him while he's in prison. So, hey, you give to God's work. You give to God's servant. God says, I'll supply all you need according to my riches and glory. Now, let's just pick up some attitudes when we give. Uh, if this happens to you, oh, no, they go talking about money. I automatically know you're not a giver. So kind of fake it during the series. Just kind of keep smiling. I've never had a giver gripe about talking about money. I've never had a giver gripe. I've had people like the Lees. I've had different ones say, you don't preach enough on money. I said, could I quote you? And, and you know why I'm doing this now? Because usually at the first of the year, 
many churches, I should be speaking on this about four times a year, one sermon at a time. But you know what we find out? It's been proven. If we speak on it one time, you don't get it. You just think, well, boy, the budget's low. They need an offering. No, we ought to really be wanting to train you, train you to get in your head. And usually we try to do four messages back to back because about the third one, the ground begins to open and maybe some truth gets in. But remember, you're brand new believers. You don't know any of this stuff. First time you've ever heard it. So this is what he tells these believers. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, are you there? Are you there? Okay. Are you awake? Yes. Uh, nine, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God lo- loves a chip. Is there anybody he loves in this meeting today? He loves the person that when we take the offering, does it with cheer. Do you get happy at the thought of giving back to God? Or does it depress you? He said that. We ought to be giving cheerfully. And most givers, I find, are cheerful people. Not necessarily so, but uh, it sure doesn't depress them to talk about. Uh, Grant would like to give his testimony on giving, but he's such an ex-Marine, I don't want him to grab anyone by the throat. (laughs) He's so convinced of it. Why don't people give? Why? And yet, he wants me to tell you how many do give because as a deacon, he's back there with the men many times going through the morning offering. He says, Pastor, are you aware of how many people give and even put in an envelope and don't sign their name? They don't want any credit or they just drop in cash. He said, you're not even aware of how many wonderful givers there are in this church. I said, no, I'm not. I preach on it. I don't count the money. But those who do it, he sold on it, cheerful. We'll try to work it out where he can give a testimony sometime. He said in 2 Corinthians 8.2, they were joyful. A church out of deep poverty gave, and it says, for in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, even in their extreme poverty, they had an abounding joy about giving. Cheerful, joyful. And then in 8, chapter 8, 1 through 7, I'll let you read it. They were so sacrificial, I don't know how they pulled it off. It said they gave out of poverty, out of poverty, and I don't know how they had anything left. They gave and beyond themselves they gave. I don't know how much that is. I don't know what they gave. I mean, when you give, and then you're going to go beyond poverty to give, I, I, don't, I just don't know what they did. But but they did it with great joy. So there was just a marvelous spirit uh, in their heart. He says in verse 7 of chapter 8, they did this in grace. Uh, Look at verse 7. He says, as you abound in everything or excel, faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, and, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Taking an offering for poor brethren in Jerusalem. Excel in this wonderful grace. We're being gracious when we're giving a gift. Some people, you're so used to making a buck, you can't imagine giving something without seeing an immediate return. Trust God. Trust. He will never owe you a dime. I said, trust God. He will never owe you. He's not an in-debt God. (laughs) You are but not him. He'll outdo you. And uh, if you don't think he could outgive or give, do you know how many thousands of acres of California land last year were not cultivated and planted? Just because God controls the heavens and do everything you want in Sacramento, you can't produce rain. They're already, uh, East Bay Mud just put out a report of all the people stealing water undoing hydrants and and siphoning off water. Water is becoming a precious commodity in this state. Who controls rain and snow? 
See, God has a way of bringing plagues, bringing locusts, bringing natural disaster, withholding rain, giving blessings. We can't make it without the blessing of God. And, and we've got to acknowledge who, who that controls all this. See, it's not politicians and it's not you. It's him. Uh, decisively, I love what he said in 9-7. They gave as they decided in their heart or that they purposed. Giving is not uh, oh, having a dental appointment for a root canal. Yeah? Is you want me to give? Oh, I didn't plan on it. Well, we know you didn't. Uh, well, because it's bad news to part with something because, you see, you've fallen in love with what's in your wallet. You've fallen in love with money. And it's hard to give what you love to that which you hate because you'll either love God and hate money in comparison. It's comparative. I love God so much beyond money that it's like I hate money. I don't bow to money. Money doesn't run my values. I'd rather have one daughter I know going to spend eternity with me than a billion bucks in the bank. Keep your money. You can't save. Money can't save. Can't save your marriage. Can't save your grandchildren. I wish I had AJ here. He'd teach you all to give. He's running a fever. I don't know if he'll make it today. But he's one of our most faithful givers, my little great-grandson. He's five. And he loves to give in every offering. And if he doesn't have it, he either gets it from my brother David or me. <laughs> and he has us fill out the card together. And I put down there, A.J. Hardaway. And I started giving him a dollar. I said, dollar, Grandpa, be gracious. <laughs> wait, wait. This isn't your money. But, I mean, when he gets a giving receipt at age five at the end of the year, just know his pappy, his Uncle Dave, or his grandpa gave the money. But he says, the offering's coming. I want an, I want an offering. Well, go ask your mama. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Help me fill out the card. So sit down here with second service. If he's here, sit right there, and A.J. will teach you how to fill out the envelope. See, if you want to do it, you'll figure out a way, even if you go bumming off of other people. Um, and then give expectantly. Uh, in verse 8, he says, I love, this is our, one of the greatest giving promises, I think, in the Bible, 9-8, where he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. Expect to know that God will make you abound in this work. He'll supply. He'll pour it on you more than you can imagine. Now let's be practical. Let me give you, we've got five points, but it's really four. First, go to 1 Corinthians and to see a little bit of a pattern. Uh, you say, okay, I, I hear this. I ought to give. You ought to be cheerful. Show me how. Give me a plan. Well, Paul was taking an offering among the Gentiles for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Your Jewish church was suffering immensely, losing jobs, being persecuted. Uh, they were in dire straits. Um, I don't know, famine was going on at that time. But uh, as Paul went among the Gentile churches, he was always saying, we ought to take a collection for our poor brethren back in Jerusalem. And so... He's telling the Corinthians, when I go through there, I want you to be raising money all along to help our poor brethren so that when I come to you, you won't be caught off surprise. and say, oh, man, we didn't know about this. That's what's amazing about your spontaneous offerings on the Bible. I mean, uh, you'll drop three to five, $6,000 at a time. It's amazing because we've already taken the offering so the spontaneous ways you respond is overwhelming. But he's telling them, I don't want to catch you off guard. Let me tell you how to do it. And from that, we pick up maybe a pattern for our own church giving. And I've just put it under uh, four Ps. 
We've got five, but I duplicate one, so don't, don't let that confuse you. 1 Corinthians 16 just talked about the resurrection, and then he says, now concerning the collection. You see, he, he sees it spiritual. It's as spiritual as the resurrection. I can go right in to talk about the offering for, for the saints. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, we'll receive that and it will go with me and several brethren and we'll take it back to Jerusalem. First thing I would think he's saying to them, plan your giving. I'm going to be showing up, uh, plan your giving. Uh, Sundays run around about 52 of them a year in a good year. Unless you're so drunk from a New Year's party, you forgot it was Sunday. There's normally 52 of them. What's your plan for your 52 Sundays? I thought of our budget. I try to give twice. I get paid twice a month, all of our staff in this church. And I don't get paid till next Friday. But you know what I thought? If I get paid next Friday, that means I can't give the money until March the 2nd. But I want us to meet our budget for February, so I'll have to do my giving today and wait till I get the check. Because I want to, I want us to make budget. I hate to see us hit red ink. See, uh, I could have waited, and I can give it in March. But then I want to be sure I give two other times in March. Whenever you get paid, whenever you get money, uh, some people can't do it every week. They get paid twice a month. Some gets paid monthly. Some are salesmen. They get sales. However, these people, he says. Weekly is the pattern. Uh, make it plan. They say, oh, they're taking an offering. Yeah, we do that 52 times a year. What's the big mystery? What's the mystery? And so he tells them, have a plan. Uh, think about it. Uh, I thought of, I ought to do this last night, but I wrote the check this morning. But I did, I did it before I got here. I wasn't waiting for the appeal. See, so we don't want you under compulsion and, and the preacher beats it out of you and all that. No, that, that's totally against the spirit of grace and the spirit of generosity. No, but figure it out before you get here. Because we hate to see some of these different, you start hand boning. It's almost hand jive. What's going on? Hey, we do this every week, every week. So you could, I guess, plan to come in late, but see, we're going to take the offering afterwards. Uh, notice uh, who ought to be giving. Each of you, A.J., up to you. Each of you is to put something aside. Uh, when we've got about, let's see, what, how many uh, really systematic givers would you say we have, Tim? How many? We have 120 systematic givers. Because see what you do, you think we're a big fat cat church. We got, we got a lot of folks, it seems like. We're just, we're just making budget barely. We're, we're running on half. We, we ought to be, our, our giving ought to be double. Our weekly budget now is around 49,000. Ministry fund. It ought to be double. If we just had... Uh, that 400 people in this church that hardly give nothing, give less than $20 a month, just think if all of them uh, gave 1000 a year. What does that come out to a week? Huh? Not a week. Um, no, I mean 1000 a year. I'm not that optimistic. How much? 20 bucks a week. Does anybody... Buy that much Starbucks. Would you please raise your guilty hands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's ever, if everybody did something, it's not even saying you tithe. Now, 
there's families in this church. I think of the uh, Lantry, uh, uh, Kim or Lantry and their family. Boy, grew up faithful, get, uh, children of missionaries. I mean, they could not imagine not giving. That was such a part of their training. I see so many don't know anything. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Listen to me. You plan to do it. You each one teach. You ought to be in Sean's home where he teaches his kids to give. He's been doing that for five to seven years. Anthony and Brian, they'll bring their offering every week. When does it start? Are you teaching your kids to be givers? Or are you teaching them entitlement? You owe me. You owe me. The church owes me something. No, we don't. Just the gospel. We owe that to everybody. But come on, we're no better than the people who attend this church. Go ahead and meditate. We're no better than the people who attend this church. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you'll have to not join. You'll ruin it. We're just people. But every one of us, if we will bear, and it's not just a burden, it's a partnership. Why don't you partner with God on what he's about? He wants us to get the gospel out. He wants us to reach people, help people, love people. And we get them from the cradle to the grave, don't we? We're planning, probably got funerals going to be hitting us again. And we're also welcoming babies. So we do the whole gamut. And it's overwhelming what is done around here. So each one of us, uh, then I think thirdly, be prepared to give. As you've laid aside and you've planned, uh, it's the idea of just you prepared. I hope you've prayed about it. Maybe you and the wife, have you talked about your giving commitment, uh, what you want to do? We'll be coming up now, just kind of getting yourself tough, get ready, and maybe go church shopping. Uh, is that we're going to. Yeah, we did that. When we were building our building, uh, many people went to other churches. They came back after we dedicated it. Yeah, they, they didn't want to hear about money. They didn't want to hear about work. They didn't want to hear about sacrifice because they're Laodicean American Christians. I want it if it's free. I don't want to be a, a sacrificer. Uh, they missed the blessing. They missed uh, I had a man tell me, I cannot really enjoy the dedication because I never believed God or gave an extra dime. I said, well, be miserable during the dedication because the rest of us paid a price. Ministry that costs nothing is worth nothing. Good night. This thing started on a bloody tree with the Son of God. And God forbid we whine about the little challenge of giving either our body, our praise, our money, who do we think we own? I thought we were owned. I thought he owned us. I thought he ran us. The most affluent church on the face of the earth is in front of me. This is no time to be down here penny-anting with God. You're going to see him sooner than you even realize. And then just say, it was always a strain to do anything for you because you weary me. I have to say, God doesn't weary me. He is no strain. I'll tell you what the strain is. Stay out in a bar till 2.30 in the morning. Be half drunk. Go home and fight with your wife and get a divorce and leave your three kids because, baby, you just had to have a good time on Friday night. Sin is a killer. Sin is costly. Sin's got wages. The gift of God is a free given son. Do not, do not be stingy with this Christ. No, no. Sin, it destroys our home. Sin destroys our children. Sin is the destroyer, not Jesus, not giving to a cause that's eternal. Don't talk to me about it. I am convinced this is the only thing that will last when the world's on fire is what we've done in Jesus' name and for his sake. He finally said, give proportionately as one may prosper. Uh, quit giving the same $20 every week. You got a raise. Why don't you increase your giving? You got a windfall. We had a church in our area that just uh, several years back, they told me, hey, 
they were really in cramped quarters. And they took, I think it was a 40-day challenge. If God gives any extra money to you in these 40 days, would you honor the Lord with it? Within the 40 days, a family inherited, uh, their family inheritance gave a million dollars to the church. They finally expanded. It's wonderful. And the family that gave it never missed it. But they gave it. I was talking to Dr. Bailey here the other day. Uh, he's the president of Dallas Seminary. And then when I see him, I always ask him, how's the school budget? They're always having to trust God for money. I get a letter from him every month. Bay Area Rescue Mission, Jews for Jesus. Don't worry. I hear about money every month from somebody. They need something. And I said, how did you do on budget this year? He said, well, uh, it was tight in December. But he said, uh, a will helped us out. I said, oh, what was that? I said, well, a, a lady left us a million point two. And I said, oh, man, that's great. He said, no, that just balanced the budget. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Yeah, a guy sold his business, came by, and gave us a million-dollar check. So he said, we're doing pretty good. Well, we got about 1,400 students from every country under the sun. And do you think the 65 faculty, he said, do you think we need finances? A non-denominational school, we just look to people to support us. Hey, wonderful. Cranking out pastors, missionaries, preachers all the time. It's worth having. Malachi said this, I won't go there, that if you want God's blessing, quit robbing him. And he said, you robbed me because you kept tithe and offering, which Israel was commanded to do. And some of you are just uh, putting yourself under a divine curse because you lie to God about your money and the, what you're uh, doing with it. Uh, you keep incurring debt. You got the cards going. You're paying interest. You're, you have immediate gratification, and you're always saying, I'm in debt, I'm too in debt to give, uh, I can't find it. And God says, you're living under a curse. You're living without my blessing. If you just start cooperating with me, I'd like to just open the windows of heaven and pour you out more than you can contain. Why don't you, why don't you get in sync with me? Uh, Randy Alcorn said, no one has ever become a mature disciple of Christ who did not learn to become a faithful steward of money. Your spiritual maturity, let's say, I know more about the book of Revelation than anybody in the church, but I can't get out of debt, and I don't give, and I'm not a generous person. That's no spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity will show up by being generous. I'm running a little late, but i got to tell you this story. I called his son last night to make sure I had it right. Get this story. Uh, this guy, in 1934, uh, he rode the rails. He's 14 years old. His father died in Oklahoma. It's not my father because my father rode rails too. But this guy, uh, Frank Griffith, is his son. He used to go to this church. And uh, Fred Griffith... Uh, rode the rails with a boyfriend of his all the way from Oklahoma, and those rails brought him into Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield's a huge uh, railroad yard. Came in there. Uh, they were driven off the uh, trains by uh, railroad bulls that uh, round up bums on these trains, uh, arrested them as they do, and and as they did, my own father was arrested in those kind of situations. And uh, what they did, 34 in Bakersfield, they would take them up to the place of incarceration. Uh, they let them get a shower. They would feed them, uh, give them a reprimand for riding the rails. And then the next day, a 14-year-old boy, they let him go with 25 cents. They gave each guy 25 cents. This is 1934. Well, Fred went out, I think it was probably 099, if you know anything about the San Joaquin Valley. And he went to 99, started hitchhiking. And he'd bought himself with this 25 cents, had not eaten for days, no doubt. He bought himself some apples. Uh, hitchhiking, guy picks him up. He shares his apples with this guy. All he's got was the 25 cents he spent on apples. They're eating the apples. 
and he's telling the guy his story, how his father died. He jumped the rails, winds up, incarcerated, got a shower, got to eat, let him go. But as the guy's getting ready to let him off of the road, he uh, hands him a $20 bill. He said, here, son, take this $20 bill. And Fred immediately says, wait, wait, I got to get your address. I got to get, where do you live? When I get a job, I want to send you the money. Give me your address. What's the name, address? And the man said, no, 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 son. This is what I ask you to do. Would you just keep passing it on? Would you keep passing it on? And Fred Griffith used to attend this church. He bought everybody every meal. You never could pay for it. He always. And, and when you try to say, no, Fred, I want to pay, I want to pay, he'd say, I'm just passing it on. That was his line. I'm just passing it on. We'd go golf. Guys, we'd go golf. If you were broke, he's the guy to go golfing with. He'd pay for your golf. Anything, uh, he was a car dealer and he did well, but he always picked it up. He was known, picked it up, picked it up. Come on, Fred, we want to pay too. He said, no, no, no. You don't know how broke I was, how hungry I was when a $20 bill landed in my hand. I want to pass it on until I die. And he did. And I did. I would, I would that you would learn to pass it on. Has anyone given you anything in life other than Jesus Christ and eternal life? What, how much, we studied Wednesday night that God chose some people before the foundation of the world, and we believe we're some of them because we're saved people. What would you pay for God just to want you and his family? Now, see, there's no price. Our Father, we pray that you will move our hearts to begin to have a plan for giving, and to make it personal. It's not, the, it's not Valley Bible does it, but I give it. I'm a part of it. Let us make giving a hilarious, joyous, gracious part of our life. Take away all the squeakiness of stinginess and enlarge our heart to give to somebody besides me, me, me. Teach us to put you, you, you first. That's all we pray. Bless this offering today. Strengthen these precious people. A wonderful bunch of givers. I'm amazed we've been able to do so much with so little, but you have moved many hearts to give beyond the norm, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.